0: have 149 verses to cover in Leviticus. This maybe has never been done in the history of the universe. Um, in case you're like, what are you doing and why? If you, Maybe this is your first night and you're like, honestly, if you need to leave, no problem. Uh, but we have been walking through verse by verse the book of Leviticus. Um, and maybe the question is why? And there's a couple answers. Uh, number one, because who, who's read Leviticus? So it's kind of fun to be like, oh, I never knew this was here. Even for me, when I read it, it's like, I feel like I just found a book of the Bible that never existed before because I've never read it. Uh, Number two, it's still, there was a reason why God, even if we don't really know, God put it in this book. He put it in the Bible. And there's a verse that says, all scripture is God breathed, including Leviticus. So uh, there is usefulness and help to us in Leviticus. Number three, here's the real reason though. Um, there is a secret key to Leviticus and its name is Jesus. And when you insert Jesus into Leviticus, it's amazing. And your mind gets blown like every single time you read it. So uh, yeah, we're gonna do that today. So we're gonna cover Leviticus chapter 13, Leviticus chapter 14, and Leviticus chapter 15, three chapters, why are we doing this? Uh, the main reason is this, They're all, this is all trying to make the same point right now. There's one major point, one major theme uh, that we're gonna cover. And I was also like, you know, it's 60 verses if we just do one chapter and then we'd be on the same point for three weeks in a row. Let's just get it done. So uh, here's what we are gonna do though. I'm gonna slightly modify, I'm not gonna modify, but uh, there's like in Leviticus 13, the first eight verses are about a thing. And then all that happens is it's a different uh, I'll reveal a little bit. It's a different skin disease, but then the next like 10 verses for what to do are the same. And then it's another skin disease. And then the next 10 verses are the same. So I'm only gonna read the verses. I'm not gonna read the verses that are repeating what we've already read. So we're gonna get to cut 149 down to like 80 or something. So that's no problem. Um, so here's what we're actually gonna do. This may maybe also random for you, but some church traditions did this. And I think it's, cool and valuable, especially for a book like Leviticus. I'm actually gonna ask us all to stand as we read the word of God. Uh, So yeah, let's all stand together. Why are we standing? Number one, reverence. Number two, it's pretty cool to know this. I'm gonna finish reading and then you guys can sit. And then pretty much the point is this, that right there was the good stuff. Me, I'm just gonna try and help us see what was in here, but you don't need to stand for me. You just need to stand for God. So um, I'm gonna read... I'll tell you what verses we're gonna read as I go. So Leviticus chapter 13, I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, These verses, it's okay if you need to laugh or whatever. They'll be pretty interesting. Um, So we're gonna read the first eight verses of Leviticus 13. Here we go. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body. Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priests. The priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days." And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. Okay, now we're gonna skip to verse 18. It's a slightly different variation. Verse 18 says, if there is in the skin of one's body a boil and it heals, and the place of the boil, there comes a white or swelling or reddish spot, then it shall be shown to the priest. Okay, so then everything that we read just repeats itself. So now we're going to skip to verse 24. Or when the body has a burn on its skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish, white, or white. Now skip to verse 29. When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, skip ahead to verse 40. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. Praise God, he's clean. (laughs) And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead. He is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish white disease area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Skip ahead to verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease okay, this is heavy, shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. We were gonna read the 49. When there is a case of leprosy disease in a garment, whether a woolen or linen garment in a, warp or woof of linen or wool or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin or in the warp or the woof or in any article made of a skin, it is a case of leprous disease and it shall be shown to the priest. Skip ahead to verse 55. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance, appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rot is on the back or on the front. Skip ahead to verse 59. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or woof or in any article made of skin to determine whether it is clean or unclean. Okay, so we just covered skin diseases and now like diseases in your clothes. Chapter 14, we're gonna read the first nine verses. So you have leprosy, what do you do? The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then, side note, that's gross. "'Then if the case of a leprous disease "'is healed in the leprous person, "'the priest shall command them to take for him "'who is to be cleansed, two live clean birds "'and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. "'And the priest shall command them "'to kill one of the birds "'in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. "'He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood "'and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop "'and dip them and the live bird "'in the blood of the bird "'that was killed over the fresh water.' And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, shall let, him, shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. After that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days." And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and he shall be clean. Skip ahead to verse 14. The priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot. Now we're gonna skip ahead to verse 19. So now you're making sacrifices. Verse 19, the priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus, the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. The next like 10 verses are basically everything we just said, but it's slightly different for a poor person. Now we're gonna skip ahead to verse 33. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, "When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for pos- possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest. There seems to be to me, where am I? There seems to me to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean." And afterward, the priest shall go and see the house. Now skip ahead to verse 43. If the disease breaks out again in the house, after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it, then the priest shall go and look. And if the disease has spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and its timber and all the plaster of the house. And he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. Skip ahead to verse 48. Verse 48. But if the priest comes and looks and the disease has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean for the disease is healed. That's the gist of that. Chapter 15, we're gonna read the first 19 verses. These will be really interesting. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. And this is to be the law of his uncleanness for a discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is blocked up by his discharge in its uncleanness. "'Every bed on which the one with the discharge lies "'shall be unclean. "'And everything on which he sits shall be unclean. "'And anyone who touches his bed shall wash his clothes "'and bathe himself in water and be unclean till evening. "'And whoever sits on anything "'on which the one with the discharge has sat "'shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water "'and be unclean till the evening.'" And whoever touches the body of the one with the discharge shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean till the evening. And if the one who with the discharge spits on anyone who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean till evening. Any saddle on which the one with the discharge rides shall be unclean. And whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until the evening." And whoever carries such things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean till evening. Anyone whom with Anyone whom the one with the discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. And an earthenware vessel that the one with the discharge touches shall be broken. Every vessel of wood shall be rinsed with water. And when the one with a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, he shall bathe his body in fresh water and shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and come before the Lord to the entrance of the tent of meeting and give them to the priest. And the priest shall use them, one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord for his discharge. A few more verses. If a man has an emission of semen, he shall bathe his whole body in water and be unclean until the evening. And every garment and every skin on which the semen comes shall be washed with water and be unclean until the evening. If a man lies with a woman and has an emission of semen, both of them shall bathe themselves in water and be unclean until the evening. Thanks for that, God. Uh, The next like 20 verses are identical, but applied to a woman and with a slight variation that women have slightly different discharges. And I'm gonna end with verse 31 to 33. Thus, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. This is the law for him who has a discharge and for him who has an emission of semen, becoming unclean thereby. Also for her who is unwell with her menstrual impurity, that is for anyone, male or female, who has a discharge and for the man who lies with a woman who is unclean. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. Good job, guys. Um, I'm gonna pray because we need it. We need lots of prayer. Jesus, thank you for your word. Um, maybe we've never even read those verses before, but they are from you. You spoke those words. You inspired those words, God. And there's, there's something there for us. There's something there for us. And so I ask Holy Spirit that right now you would come and you would fill this room. I ask that you would help us to, to submit ourselves to you and to your word. Would you help me just to make clear what you, have, what you have put forth in your word, God? I pray that you would help us to, to hear, to understand. I pray against distractions. I pray against Satan right now who doesn't want us to hear the word of God and know what it means and who doesn't want us to see how it points to Jesus. God, be with us. We need your help right now, Holy Spirit. This is actually eternal stuff to be in your presence with your people, to open up your word matters. It has eternal significance. So help us, God, to listen as if our life, as if our eternity depend upon it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so three chapters of Leviticus, more or less. Good job. Um, that was crazy. That, that, those three chapters and this sermon are are honestly kind of like part three of a little theme in Leviticus that we've been in. Uh, The whole general theme is what is clean and what is unclean. So two weeks ago, we talked about food. And God, remember, if you know anything about Jewish people, he says, you can eat these, you can't eat these. Uh, Some Jews still practice that, kosher. Uh, The next week was, last week was about a woman in childbirth. And there was that, you guys, the Lord had some really cool prophetic stuff. And if you didn't hear that, um, we actually have a podcast, go listen to it. It's just, it's just, the sermon was okay, but the Holy Spirit was like doing things. So go be ready to get wrecked anytime when you want to listen to the sermon on childbirth out of Leviticus 12. And this week is the final kind of theme on what makes a human being clean. And God is talking about our bodies and he's talking about all the things our bodies can do to make us unclean. For example, spit. I just spit and that would have made you unclean. That would have been bad. You would have been like unclean for a long time. Um, so, So that's what we're talking about. So okay, what is really going on? How can this be helpful to us? Um, Talking about the messes our bodies make, what's going on? I actually have a a little helpful story that will get us into this. So this this church, Reality Carpinteria, has a call to plant churches. And I forget however long ago, they were planning Reality San Francisco. So there's a couple pastors up there. They're in San Francisco. They're kind of like, I don't know what they're doing, walking around downtown San Francisco. And one of the pastors just stepped in human feces and he didn't know it was just on the street uh he didn't know at the time that he did that and they were about to get in another pastor's car so they get in the car and this particular pastor moves a lot and so he's just like in the front seat just like getting settled and little does he know he's like deeply just pressing poop all over this car um they realize like, what is that smell? That smells like, that's not dog poop, that's human poop. And they look and it is everywhere in the car. And so (laughs) this pastor goes, he washes his car, details his car, does everything he can. It actually gets to the point where it doesn't smell anymore, but psychologically he couldn't handle the fact that there was human poop in his car and he sold his car. He literally sold his car because there was once poop human poop in his car. It just wasn't the same. He's like, I can't. I'm not telling the person who I'm selling, but I just cannot be in this car anymore. I can't do it. And this, these three chapters deal with our mess, the mess of humanity. And it deals with uncleanness that doesn't seem to go away very easily. Like, yeah, you may scrub yourself. Yeah, you may try to get clean, but like, like we read, there is a very detailed, long arduous process to be clean. Like, you're clean. Okay, now seven more days just to make sure. Okay, now you're clean. Now you got to shave yourself. Now you got to live outside your tent for seven more days. Like, it was crazy what, it, what you had to do to be made clean. And, and life is like that. We know sometimes what it's like to feel unclean on the inside, maybe on the outside. And we know Like someone may say we're clean. We may have taken a shower and exfoliated, but like it just feels like that is not going away. It's still there. I can't get past that. And um, in context, I just wanna clarify real quick. These three chapters were actually really, really important at that time. If you were not clean, you couldn't worship God. You couldn't make sacrifices. You couldn't live with your family. You had to be a homeless person on the outside and be unclean. Like this wrecked your life if you were unclean. This really, really mattered. Now, in case you didn't know this, but thank God that this no longer applies to us, to Christians. So Jesus came and... uh, you used to have to worship God in, at that time, the tabernacle, then it was the temple. And there was like this veil and there was the Holy of Holies. And you, could, you had to have a priest go in for you, offer sacrifices. Once a year, the priest could go into the presence of God. It was a barrier; You couldn't really like hang out with God very much. And Jesus came. And when he died on the cross, if you are familiar with this, something happened to that veil that separated God from humanity. It was torn. And it was this symbol that, that Jesus is bringing in a new covenant. So we don't have this veil separating us from God anymore. We don't have priests that like you want to hang out with God. Okay, you got to go talk to a priest and he'll talk to God. We don't need priests anymore because Jesus is our priest. We don't need animals to be sacrificed anymore because Jesus was the lamb of God who is sacrificed once and for all for all of your sin. And so uh, Jesus also declared all foods to be clean. So many sections of Leviticus have been fulfilled in Christ. So thankfully we don't have to read these as if like, man, I need to go worship God. What do I need to do to shave my beard so that I can go be with Jesus? Thankfully that is done. Thankfully that is over. Now it's like, okay, so now if these are irrelevant, why are we reading them? Well, God still put them in the Bible and the Bible has a purpose for us. The Bible teaches us about God, teaches us about humanity. It teaches us, it points us to Christ. So There will be some sections in Leviticus that we don't obey anymore, but it is still worth studying because it teaches us about who God is and who humans are. And there's still truth under there that God wants to communicate. And God's kind of sneaky. There's a lot of like hidden themes that this actually points to that. And so when you study it and you wrestle with it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not physically unclean anymore to go be with God, but I do know something about feeling unclean when I wanna be with God. I know something about, I I don't fit in with society or I can't approach the presence of God. I'm spitting a lot tonight for this sermon, no problem. It'll be, anytime I spit, just think unclean. There's there's something here for us to learn about what it means to be unclean. And so we're gonna look at these three chapters from a Christian perspective, not a Jewish perspective. and, And there's some things we can learn. And the first one is this, all of humanity is still unclean. All of humanity is still unclean um, i I think we could probably all say we 've experienced coming into church or at you know some point into a church building and feel like man i shouldn 't be here i don 't belong here like I know what I just did or my past or my history. And there's this feeling of like, I shouldn't be here right now. This is a holy place. This is the house of God. God is holy and I am not, I am unclean. I think we've all experienced that. If not like every time we try to approach God, there's just that feeling in us of, of shame, a feeling in us of guilt, of being tainted, or even like, man, I've kind of been ruined. Some of these things that I've done or that have happened to me, They put me too, I'm too far to like, I'm too far gone. I'm too unclean. There's no redeeming this. Um, This is pretty heavy, but probably the number one feeling after sexual sin is I'm unclean. Probably, then this is even more tragic, the number one description of someone who's been sexually abused is I am unclean. Like I am not clean anymore. And we know about this feeling and God actually speaks about this feeling in Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, six, God says this through the prophet Isaiah. We have all become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Right there, God is saying, hey, we're unclean. You all, all of humanity, the human condition is uncleanness all of us, and and we know this, like no one, you'd be crazy if you're like, actually, no, nah, I'm clean, like if you ever t- try to talk to a person to say like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm, I'm clean, I got this, like watch their life for 24 hours, nobody, we all kind of get that, we all kind of understand, yeah, we've all experienced that, I don't care if you are Mother Teresa, you know there was that one time where she like did that thing, like we know that, humans, we know, we are not perfect, we are unclean, and God says, We are all unclean. So the second thing, because we are unclean, there's some repercussions from this. And it's this, our uncleanness isolates us. Our uncleanness has this isolating effect on us. You remember, if you were unclean, it was in chapter 13, it says, the leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip, cry unclean, and he shall remain unclean. And he has to live outside the camp. So because we're unclean, there's something about you don't belong here anymore. You need to go live out there. Our uncleanness has this isolating effect. Um, growing up, my favorite movie, maybe still my favorite movie is The Lion King. I love it. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I was like four when it came out. I've, you guys seen Lion King? No shame. Has anyone not seen Lion King? Maybe just a couple, no problem. Uh, okay, so in The Lion King, there is a tragedy of Pumbaa's life. And he tells us his, his history and he's, he's kind of wounded, right? And he's, he's there and he's saying, when I was a young warthog, do you remember this? And then his friend says, when he was a young warthog, he found his aroma lacked a certain appeal. He could clear the savanna after every meal. And then Pumbaa goes on to say, I'm a sensitive soul. Though I, th- though I seem thick skinned, and it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. And oh, the shame. I thought of changing my name. And I got downhearted every time that I, and then thankfully his friend says, no, not in front of the kids. By the way, out for like a year, I was like, what, is he, what was he gonna say? I didn't, I didn't know. Um, so Pumbaa, thick skin, I'm fine, I got this. Inside, he had this wound that, I am unclean. And because I'm unclean, no one wants to be with me. And no one wanted to stand downwind. And I just, whenever I would go to the watering hole, everybody left. And Pumbaa was like, I felt shame and I felt alone. And, and as funny as that is, that actually is some pretty good insight right there. When we feel unclean, we find ourselves feeling alone. And our uncleanness has this isolating effect on our relationships. As if no one is willing to stand with me or at least downwind, like when I get like that, they're like, I'm out of here. Like we, that we feel that. And, and that is actually the first response that humans do when they sin for the first time. They, we realize we were unclean and we ran and we hid. And we were in isolation. The first thing we did is we ran and hid from God. We were like, oh crap, God is here. And we ran and we hid. Adam and Eve ran and they hid. We all of a sudden feared him in this way of like, I don't want him to see me. And we felt ashamed. It says Adam and Eve knew they were naked. They were naked before, but now they knew they were naked and they felt ashamed. And so they ran and they hid. You know, our, our uncleanness, our sin has that effect. We run from God. We run from him. The second thing, we hide from each other. We have this isolation with each other. All of a sudden, our relationships are now broken and we cover up from one another. Adam and Eve were a husband and wife. They were naked. They knew everything about each other. But all of a sudden, they were like, I, you, I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to see me anymore. And they ran and they took fig leaves and they sewed them together to try and cover themselves up. And we do the same thing every single day. Because we have these things we are ashamed of that are unclean, we go and we try to hide ourselves, And we, we, we put on these fig leaves. And there's many different variations and options of fig leaves to choose from, but we are all doing the same thing. We are hiding from one another. And, and now the, the state of every human, we're, like, we're all in our soul living outside the camp. In our soul, I'm alone. In my soul, nobody really wants me. And maybe they like me now, but if they saw what was under these fig leaves, they wouldn't like me. They would reject me. And now I'm living outside the camp. And so what the great human endeavor has been from day one of Genesis three is we're, we're gonna clean ourselves up. That's what, that's what humans have been doing from day one. We try to clean ourselves up. We try to cover ourselves. We've been trying to do that from day one. And that was, that's that fig leaves. Now a couple options of fig leaves. Um, I have four here that I feel like encompass many. The first one is one of mine. The first fig leaf is ambition. Okay. Uh, I'll cover myself with my accomplishments. I'll cover myself with how much I can do. I'll cover myself with how hard I'm working and how much I can accomplish and how much I can achieve. And that achievement, it's kind of like, I get to like wear that and like, yeah, look at me. And that accomplishment, I get to wear that. And I'll cover my sense of being naked and being unclean and being rejected by becoming successful. Because when I'm successful, all of a sudden now other people will wanna be with me. I won't be isolated anymore. They'll wanna be with me. They'll look at me and be like, oh wow, that guy, he's got it together, I wanna be with him. Sadly, sadly for people like me in this camp, we, re- we neglect relationships because we wanna be successful. And this is where broken families come from and dads who are, aren't around come from because they're working to try and cover themselves. So that, that one ambition, it doesn't work. It's a fig leaf that does not work. Another fig leaf is relationships. I'll cover my fear and sense of being alone by just getting as many people as I can around me. Or maybe it's just that one person. If I get that one person and I have them and they're with me and they accept me for who I am, then I will be okay. If that person loves me and accepts me, I will feel covered and I will be okay. Another one, this is a nasty one. This is, this is also one of mine, is religion. The fig leaf of religion. This is from the devil himself. And here it is. I'll cover myself with the work of my hands. I will cover myself with my good deeds. I will cover myself. I will fix the problem of my uncleanness with my goodness. And if it's a scale, all I gotta do is work hard enough to get more of the good more on the good side of the scale so that the the bad just kind of like the unclean isn't quite as much. And so I will study the Bible. I will give everything away. I will be more godly and holy and righteous and know more memory verses and give more of my possessions away and read more books than anyone else. Religion, that is religion. I will cover myself with my righteous deeds. And then here's the other one. Uh, This one this one is like, I hate all of that. It's re- this fig leaf is rebellion. This is an interesting fig leaf. It, sometimes it comes from people who couldn't pull it off religiously. Like, do you know what? Screw that. I'm just gonna go over here. Or, or some of it is just like, I don't wanna please people. I don't wanna please God. I, don't, I just wanna, like, honestly, it's this. It's screw people, screw their rules, screw their expectations. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Because when I do that, it kind of makes me feel a little more covered. makes me feel a little more connected with people. I get to do what I wanna do. Or I'll cover my, un- my uncleanness by just pretending it's not even there. It's not even there. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Or it's, I, I feel unclean, and so I'm just gonna numb it out. I'm gonna numb it. And that could be through whatever. It could be through alcohol, sex, fun, adventure, just like the next whatever, video games. It's I will numb my uncleanness and my isolation with just feeding my flesh. And, and re- rebellion is a pretty common fig leaf. God truly was right when he says, we have all become as one unclean. We're all trying to fix it. We're all trying to be clean. We're all trying to, to, to not be rejected and living outside the camp. The, uh, the truth is that our fig leaves don't cut it. And we know they don't cut it. Our fig leaves cannot make ourselves clean. Um, I've told many variations of my days at Starbucks, but my first real life, you're a grown up, you're supporting your family with your college degree job, was Starbucks. I was a barista with a college degree, like just surviving, uh, hated it. And uh, that's, I needed that. And so that was my life. And uh, okay, so the, this is a cool thing at Starbucks. There are no professional, like, no one, you don't, we don't Starbucks doesn't hire anybody to, to clean the buildings. Baristas clean the buildings, which maybe that's nasty because they're like literally scrubbing the basically public toilet. Oh, I gotta go make some drinks. But that's actually what happens. You clean everything. And another thing is Actually, Starbucks is actually a little more legit than you think. We actually like make our own, we mix our own like whipped cream or like mocha mix or whatever. So you have like, so, okay. So one time there was a time when I was mixing mocha, okay. And it was like, you have this giant like mixer thing with like a, I don't know what you call the metal thing with all the little things, a whisk. And yeah, I was, I was whisking a giant, basically tub of mocha. So. It's actually not legit. It's just a giant bag of powder. You dump it in, you pour hot water in there and then you just start mixing this giant thing of mocha and it it like stays fresh for like three days. So I'm sitting there mixing it and it like slowly starts to like caramelize and I'm mixing it and then something happened. I I don't even remember what happened, but the mocha mix goes tumbling and it hits the ground and you guys, it was like a grenade of mocha. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. Okay. So now you kind of go into panic mode because you can't make drinks and you can't. So every employee was like, Hey, sorry, hold on real quick. We had six employees, mops, rags, and it did not clean you guys. We, you take a rag and all you did was just smear the mocha. It was just smearing. And you would just take a mop and all, you're like, I'm, all I'm doing is making a bigger mess. Now there's more mocha around. And so we used all three of our mop heads, every rag we had, mocha everywhere. There's, we're like, there is not hope for this mess. And service basically stopped, drinks stopped. Everyone's just, we're like trying to clean this mocha. It was on all of our clothes forever. It was in like three months later when it was finally cleaned, you would open a drawer and there would just be dried mocha. It was like, it never went away. It never went away. And, and our mess and of our sin is kind of like that. When you try to clean it up yourself, hey, good luck, all you're gonna do is just smear it around. All you're gonna do is it's gonna get on you and then everything you touch is gonna become unclean. It's like that. We cannot, I don't care how many fig leaves, I don't care how much we try, we cannot clean ourselves. Side note, if you've ever worked at a coffee shop, you, your body and clothes and car just have a smell that is essentially, it will never go away. So I remember just the day I just threw away all of my clothes that when I finally was like, I'm not working here, just clothes, aprons, just threw it away, couldn't be clean. I just had a smell about me forever. So anyways, uh, sin is like that. We cannot clean and fix ourselves. Ambition, it's not gonna fix your soul. It's not gonna make people love you more. It'll lead you just putting more of yourself and your career and your desires before people and, and it's gonna be broken. Relationships, I've said this before, a person cannot fix you. They cannot, they were not designed by God to fix you, to clean you, to satisfy you. If you look to any person to satisfy you, you're just gonna crush them or they're gonna be like, I'm out, I can't handle this. And they weren't designed to carry you and to fix you. They were not, they're gonna let, people will let you down. I don't care how amazing they are. They were not made by God to, to cover that sense of uncleanness and to make you clean. Religion, let me just testify, religion sucks so bad. It makes you miserable. You may look really good on the outside and you hate everything on the inside. You hate God, you hate the Bible, you hate people. It is miserable and you're exhausted and there is no end because you're always, there's another book to read or there's another thing to give away or there's, oh man, that person's doing more than me and you can never do enough. And you, you hate, honestly, you guys, I hated God because all he was was a task master. Hey, get to work, get to work. I couldn't just sit with him because it was like I have to go prove myself and clean myself and I just did that thing so now I have to get to work I hated the Bible because I would read Matthew and Jesus was just like do this do this do this and I was like oh my gosh I'm trying and then he says to the rich young ruler give everything away and I had real fear in my soul like if I don't give everything away I'm not really following Jesus how how do I know what am I what do I need to do religion won't make you better. It'll make you miserable. And like it said in Isaiah 64, every act of religion that you take to offer to God for your righteousness, it's just a filthy garment. It's all that it is. It's a filthy, polluted garment. Rebellion, rebellion is equally exhausting. Uh, It's like, it's like a little kid who runs away from home thinking like, yeah, And then they realize like, oh man, it's cold and I don't have any food and I just miss my mom. Like, it's like that. And then they come back. It's too hard. You guys, rebellion will wear you out. Go for it, have as much fun, spend as much money, do any and everything you can. It will literally just wear your body out. Your body can't handle that much substance and lack of sleep and adrenaline. You can't handle it. It wears you out. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. So we've been trying to fix this problem of uncleanness and the this, this sense of isolation. And, and what's cool is what I love about the Old Testament is there are these little signposts of hope in it. There's these little pointers that like start telling us, hey, there's actually hope. Hey, there's actually good news for someone who is unclean. Remember, even in the garden, God wasn't like, you screwed it up. I'm out. God came after the unclean humans. He came after them, you guys. He was like, where are you? And then do you know what he did? He said, those fig leaves are ridiculous. And he gave them another set of robes and he covered them. In these chapters, we read, there was, it was long and arduous, but there was hope for someone who was living outside the camp rejected. And then there's this story. I love this story. We're gonna actually read it real quick. Turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. All right, I'm just going to read it. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. Naaman commander of the army of the king of Syria, basically an enemy of Israel, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, that's a city in Israel, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the little girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you name and my servant and you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He's like, you're joking, right? I can't heal leprosy. But when Elisha... The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, my father, It is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Okay, a couple things to notice here. Number one, notice Naaman's pride. Naaman's pride is our pride, okay? He's used to interacting with kings. He's like, I'm gonna go to the king. And then the king is like, I'm gonna send you to the other king. He brought gold and silver. He's like, hey, I know how these things are done. I'll pay as much money. I'll do whatever I need to do. And, and then he was offended that Elisha didn't come out. He's like, are you kidding me? You're just sending your like little servant. I'm at your house. I came across like the world and you just send your servant. And he was so offended. He was like, whatever, I'm out. I, he was willing to continue in his leprosy rather than humble himself from this servant. You guys, this this is us, we are like Naaman. We know we are unclean. And and here's the thing, we wanna fix our lives with our own strength, money, ambition, connections, relationships with great religious deeds. We, our pride keeps us from coming to Jesus. Think about that, our pride keeps us from coming to the source of becoming clean. Then notice this. The, the remedy wasn't this extravagant thing. Na, Naaman was like, yeah, just go jump in the river seven times. Like how simple was that? That's all he had to do. That's, that was it. All you have to do, jump in the river seven times. And I think when we hear about Jesus, we're like, yeah, I don't know though. Like maybe I need to like do something first. Maybe I need to pay him. Maybe I need to do some more things. Maybe simply coming to Jesus sounds too like, no, that, 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 that can't actually be that way. Can that actually make me clean? And then notice that the prophet didn't just come and heal him. It came through the word of a prophet. Okay, this is similar. Do you know where hope comes from? It comes from words from prophets to us. Like literally this book, hope comes from this book. And, and are, are we willing to like do the kind of the weird thing sometimes this book says? Or are we like, no, that just, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right. And then notice this. Notice he was being called again and again to humility. Where did the good news come from? You remember where it came from in the original? It was this little servant girl who was captured. And he had to be willing to listen to this servant girl. And then he had to be willing as this great man to undress himself and dip into this muddy river. And, and listen, the good news of Jesus is gonna require from you humility. And it's gonna require from you, you need to be willing to strip off all these other false garments and fig leaves that you've been wearing. You, you can't have both. Jesus is like, you want healing? Okay, I want you to do this. I want you to be willing to let go of those things. I want you to take them off. Your pride, your rebellion, your relationships, everything else you've been looking for to clean yourself up, you need to take those off. And you need to come to me because Jesus alone makes you clean. Jesus alone makes you clean. Do you remember, maybe you don't, in chapter 14, we read there were two birds. You get these two birds. And one of the birds, you kill it and it's bleeding everywhere and you pour the blood in this thing of water. And then you take this other bird and you dip it in. I'll read it. Kill one of the birds, dip them in the blood of the bird. He shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed. Then he shall pronounce him clean. Do you know even that re- crazy little verse right there? That's pointing us to Jesus. That a substitute, this little bird, takes your place and, and it, was, it was killed and his blood was poured out. And you have to be sprinkled in this blood of this bird to be clean. That's Jesus, whose body was ripped to shreds and bled, when you come to him, you have to have the sprinkling of his blood on you to be clean. And then remember how one of the birds got to go away, got to fly away. Um, I'll read it fourteen seven. He shall pronounce him clean. Let the living bird go into the open field. Do you know what that's a symbol of the fancy word is the doctrine of expiation. The, the practical is this: that bird flying away, that's like your sin. It's gone. It left, it's, it's away, you're not getting it back. It literally took your sin and flew away. When you come to Jesus, all of your sin is actually removed. As far as the East is from the West, it is gone. You can't get it back, it's not yours anymore. It was taken away and you are pronounced clean. And you are pronounced righteous. And you are pronounced accepted and loved by God. You are no longer condemned for any of your sin. You are clean, holy, acceptable, righteous, pure white. When you come to Jesus, he dies for you and then he takes your sin away. And do you know what else about Jesus? Because we're all living outside the camp. Guess where Jesus went? Jesus went outside the camp for you for you who is filthy and unclean. He left heaven to earth and then he died outside the city as this picture of I will go outside the camp. Jesus went outside the camp to get you. Just let that sink in. You you may feel rejected and isolated from your uncleanness, but listen, you are not rejected. You are pursued by Jesus. You are pursued by Jesus. Outside the camp, depressed, I'm alone. Jesus is like, I'm coming for you. God ran after us in the garden. Jesus, when he was here, was just touching unclean people. Like, what are you doing? He's just touching them. People even they touch his, the edge of his garment. People are, are becoming clean because Jesus is actually, guys, this is so important. Jesus is willing to get his hands dirty with your life and your mess. He's willing. He's willing. He wants to. He's like, hey, come to me. Let me make this right. Let me make this clean. You were desired by him in your uncleanness. And you know what that means? It means you're no longer outside the camp. You're just not. If you've come to Jesus, you may feel like you're outside the camp, but you're not. Let me just declare to you, you are a son or daughter of God. You are accepted. You actually belong in the most meaningful way possible. You belong. And you belong to Jesus. And he's better than any other person. He's never gonna leave you. He says, you are mine and I love you. And side note, you're actually brought into like a community too. If you're Christian, you actually have a new family and you have a new community. And you may be like, these people are crazy. I don't like them. Hey, they're your community now. They're your family. And they'll be messed up and broken and have these scars and wounds. But you, listen, you actually do belong. You belong here because of Christ. You are brought in. Do you know what else? I love this. As uh, leprosy could spread to your garments and as all of our acts to try and make ourselves better are like garments, Jesus is like, hey, take those off. I'm gonna give you better garments. I'm gonna give you better robes. You don't, no, you don't need to hide your sin anymore. Jesus is like, that's gone. And not only are you not have to hide, I'm gonna cover you with my righteousness and my love. You have new righteousness that was a gift from Jesus. And do you know what else? Do you know what uh, one of the the number one definition or description of demons are? Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. Unclean spirits are real. They literally could be like in this room. Literally, they hate you. They hate this gathering. They hate the gospel. They hate Jesus. And they are unclean. And when we sin, we're like inviting them in on some level. We can have strongholds. Satan is real and he is the source of all things unclean. And listen, when Jesus came, he cast the unclean one out. He says, you're not welcome here anymore. And he would pick people up and he would rescue them and heal them and he would cast Satan out of them. And, and he does the same thing to Christians. This, Satan can't like possess us, but he's messing with us all day long, shooting arrows, tempting us, lying to us. And when we come to Christ, Jesus speaks truer things over us. He says, no, you are clean. You are my son. You are no longer condemned. The number one thing Satan does is he accuses you of your sin. He accuses you of your sin. When you come to church and you're like, I wanna be with Jesus, all Satan is doing is accusing you of your sin. You can't worship, you are unclean, you are not loved. You have to earn God's love. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing to Christians. That's what he did to Jesus. If you were really the son of God, he said that to Jesus. If he said that to Jesus, he, he has ammo for us and he's messing with us. But if we come to Christ, we have the truth. There is no condemnation for us. And Satan has to flee. Satan has to flee. It's a fight. The Bible says, hey, resist the devil and he will flee. I just have a feeling tonight, like some of you are in a battle and a struggle with the devil. Honestly, I I believe that. And tonight, because of the blood of Jesus, you can resist him and he will flee. He will flee from you. Lies, anxiety, suicide, those are from the enemy. And Jesus says, resist him. I defeated him on the cross. I disarmed him. The battle is won. And now it's a little fight and a struggle. So you're supposed to resist him. And so... Tonight, here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna approach Jesus, the clean one who makes us clean. And you may have like just this much faith and you may be like, all I have is to barely reach out and touch the corner of his robe. Like I have barely nothing in me. Jesus is like, I can work with that. Come to Jesus tonight with your sin, with your uncleanness. Listen, we need to repent of our, of our fig leaves. We need to repent of our religion. We need to repent of our rebellion. We need to repent of looking to other people to fix us and to make us right. We need to repent tonight and then we can come to Jesus who makes us clean, who declares over us, you are my son and I love you and you are clean. Here are my robes. We're gonna have uh, some prayer teams on the right and the left. Hey. Come and confess your sin, actually, and there's healing that happens. If you have this sense, like, man, I'm getting just, the enemy is messing with my mind, come and get prayer. We would love to pray for you. There's actually no shame. You don't need to hide that. You don't need to hide that. You are loved. You don't need to like try and cover that up. The the enemy is, he loves the darkness. And the first uh, act of victory is just exposing. Like, hey, I'm struggling, struggling here. The enemy hates that. Same with our sin. So confess your sin, get prayer, come to the carpets. We have communion right here. We're gonna worship a Jesus who loves and pursues unclean people like us. He loves us, amen? Jesus, thank you for your, your love for unclean people like us. Thank you that you come after us. Thank you that you're willing to get your hands dirty. You were willing to leave your throne and take on flesh. Jesus, I just ask right now that this time of worship would be real and honest and raw, that we wouldn't need to hide whatever we're struggling with, that we could bring it to you, Jesus. That we don't need a priest, that we can come right to you and you're listening and you love us and you make us clean. We believe that, Jesus. You are like the lamb that was slain for our sin. Your blood was shed. We just wanna be sprinkled in it, Jesus. We wanna be made clean. Help us to believe what you've said about us, that if we have put our trust in you, we are clean and loved and accepted. God, I even pray that tonight during worship that we could we could love each other well. We could be praying for one another, that we'd be willing to humble ourselves and reach out, like I need prayer. And we'd also be willing to be bold and like, man, I know my friend is struggling and I, and I wanna pray for them. Even this stranger, I wanna pray for them. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment of worship. We say that you would, you would come and have your way. We together resist the devil. We say, saying you are not welcome here and you need to flee because the blood of Jesus has covered us and we are clean. We are forgiven. We have new robes of righteousness. Holy Spirit, lead us now to worship you.